0: We came for salvation, we came for family, we came for all that's good, that's how we'll walk away. Aloha and welcome to the Layman's Lounge podcast, a ministry of thelaymanslounge.com, where we exist to bring everyday theology to encourage Christians for everyday life. I'm Jason Estopanol, I'm a business process analyst and a YWAMR in Kona, Hawaii and on the other line today is Dr. Paul Putz. Aloha brother, how are you? Hello,
1: doing well, thanks for having me. You almost said Aloha and then you re- and then you brought it back. Huh? I thought about it. I didn't want to you know, <laughs> I didn't want to be, be doing that trying to try too hard, you know. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> Dr. Putz is the assistant director of the Sports Ministry Program at Baylor's Truett Seminary. That's right. The director of the sports ministry program. Assistant Uh, director, I should. Assistant director. Um, He teach, uh, um, where he teaches courses for the Faith and Sports Institute certificate program. And actually in March, um, he'll be teaching courses on sports and theology and another on sports and race. So that's pretty cool. We'll link... um, We'll link that up at the show notes. He's a historian, an author, educator, and a helpful voice on The Intersection of Sports and Christianity. He's authored or co-authored dozens of insightful articles and essays. So I'm going to name a few real quick. God and the Gridiron Game. And that's over at Christianity Today. Um, The other one is Finally, Jackie Robinson's Faith is Getting the Attention It Deserves. Also at Christianity Today. Um, Next one is god disguise uh, god disguises michael jordan and my evolving view of sports which is at the gospel coalition which is really good and then he has a book coming out with oxford university press on the history of sports and christianity in american culture um and we will keep you posted on when that comes available so like i said these will be linked in the show notes and whatnot but so brother you have like a nuanced voice speaking on the intersection of sports and Christianity. And before we dig in, I, I, I want to ask you like this question, do you find it backwards and utterly insane that with the amount of people, including Christians for whom sports are a huge part of their daily lives and like are legitimate, legitimate, like a real source of joy as well as potential vice that there aren't a choir of voices laboring with you, like in this sphere.
1: Well, I, I'll first say um, we are doing something unique at, at Truett, right? Like it, to be at a seminary talking sports, that is unique. That's, that's uh, not what you see typically ap- academics. They don't take sport real seriously. They kind of look with suspicion at it. So in that sense, it, it's sort of like, well, why, why haven't more seminaries done this? Mm-hmm. But I want to shout out, give credit where credit's due. You know, sports ministries like the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Athletes in Action, Pro Athletes Outreach. Um, <laughs> these organizations, since the 1950s, they've really been been trying to do this everyday theology work. I mean, they were part of the the early uh, work in faith movement. The idea that if you're a layman, um, you know, you you have a responsibility to bring your faith into your life as an athlete or into your life as a coach, and so you know, I'm, I'm coming along now in sort of a seminary setting and, and trying to further a conversation that these sports ministries have been doing for a long time since the 1950s. Nice. Can you, can
0: you like tell us a little bit of your own story and the contours of your evolving view of sports? I mean, you know, you, like I referenced that gospel coalition post was really interesting. And I would assume that's a lot of, um, a lot of people have a sort of a similar story.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. My, my background in in sports, I grew up in a small town in Nebraska. I played all the sports, you know, baseball in the summer, uh, football in the fall, basketball in the winter. By high school, I was just doing basketball. I wasn't as good at the others. And, and so sports is just a part of my identity. It was, it was, you know, um, a way to dream about what you could be. You'd have your idols and your your different uh, sports here you followed. And I was like that. I was rooting for the Nebraska Cornhusker football team. And so it really shaped my sense of self in, in a lot of ways. At the same time, I was a pastor's kid. I was a Christian, grew up in the church, um, reading my Bible. My parents would make me read my Bible before I could go out and play sports. Um, so in some sense, I had that antagonistic relationship, right? It's like, ah, the Bible is the thing I have to read before I can do the thing I really want. Um, but, but in other ways, those identities um, you know, they, they could they could mesh Christianity was important to my sense of self so was my my um, athletic identity and organizations like the Fellowship of Christian athletes which I referenced earlier they were really foundational for me in, in high school especially in trying to figure out how can I how can I be a Christian in every area of my life mm-hmm. right how can I what, what does it mean to be on the basketball court and you know in the heat of competition you're playing and, and yet that, that is something that you're doing for the glory of God. Wow! And you know, FCA helped me think in those terms. I, I, I certainly would say, you know, over the over the over the years, I've thought more deeply about it. And maybe there's some thoughts I had as a high school athlete that I would say, well, that's maybe not where I land theologically now, but it, it got that process started, right? It got the the thinking started. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that's been that's been a journey for me and for. For a lot of people, a lot of Christians in sports, especially if if you're growing up in the Midwest or in the South, maybe not so much in California, right? Like it's it's, FCA doesn't have a strong, (laughs) but in the Midwest and the South, you get into the junior highs and the high schools and and FCA has a really powerful and a really strong presence Mm -hmm. of of trying to help young athletes bring those identities together.
0: Um, In an article you co-authored for Christianity Today, the one called God and the Gridiron Game, America's obsession with football is nearly as old as the game itself that's the byline um, you trace you got you guys trace America's view of football and you said quote it continues to unite and divide American believers today so we got the Super Bowl coming up um, can you give us a brief survey of Christian America's view on the game of football and where we are today
1: this is one of my favorite things to to think about as a historian I love you know, baseball is America's game. And, and that's still, there's still something historically and, and with nostalgia that's true about that. But, but football really um, is the game that for the last 100 years has captured America's attention more than any other. And, and that represents some some cultural values for good and ill in, in the United States. So, you know, if we're doing a survey, you know, we, we can just start with, with football's foundations. Football is both it, it doesn't exist without Christianity, and yet it also um, there's fierce opposition in its early years by Christians. What I mean by that is, because football is such a, a brutal game, it was very violent in its early years in the 1870s, as it emerges at your Princeton, Yales, and your Harvards, because it's so violent, there are there are some people who say, why are we having these college men play this game? This, this isn't something respectable people should do. And... To, to sort of counteract and, 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 and go against those claims, you had muscular Christians, they were called, um, men like Theodore Roosevelt, um, Amos Alonzo Stagg, who was an early football coach. These muscular Christians are saying, actually, this, this game is it is violent, it is physical, but our bodies need to be developed and strengthened. Our bodies are actually something that, as Christians, we need to think about and we need to care about. And, if we can take even a violent game and use it to improve ourselves, better ourselves grow, to take risks, then then it can be a game that actually is done for for God's glory. And so these muscular Christians justified, sanctioned football, defended football, argued that it had had character building benefits, argued that Christians could could support the game and and, and they could use it for for a good cause and and kind of created a a subculture of Christian support for football. That was then used to try to defend football as other Christians, and there were a lot of them, didn't feel comfortable with what football represented. They saw the, the intense uh, masculinity, the in some cases, the destruction of bodies. They would have said, look, you muscular the Christians say you want to, to, to um, you know defend the body and, and view it as holy and good, but really football is destroying bodies. How do we justify mm-hmm. those things? Or they mm-hmm. saw football as something that took people away from intellectual p- pursuits, from, from, from moral development. And so from its early years, football had this, this sort of divided reaction. And, 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 and even today, although there's certainly lots of Christian support for football, you'll also see some spaces and some pockets where Christians have some really serious misgivings about, about playing this game and about the, the violent effects that it has.
0: I think, would you say like, as of now, like the most, your average sort of um, evangelical would say that like, oh, it's good that there's um, Christians playing football because um, the reason that it's, it's the sacred portion of it is that it's a podium for evangelism. I, my guess would be, you know, they have John three sixteen under their eyes or they're what was that? Like T-bowing, praying or whatever that thing, sort of just like basically a gospel witness. And that is the, the extent of the, of the God-honoring honor, notions of football. Would you say that, that that is what most people think? And then are, are there other thoughts currently?
1: I think that is still a really uh, popular view for sure. The, the instrumentalist view of sport, right? Which football falls into that too. It would say, look, football might not be the best thing, but people are playing it, people are watching it, people are giving it attention. And so we need Christians in football who can use this platform to then to share the gospel, to spread the gospel. And you know, that that view of of sports and football in particular, it's it's what organizations like the Fellowship of Christian Athletes um, were founded on early on. And, and mm-hmm. it's part of too, you know, my my journey in sports and faith. Um, that, that was a big part of it, thinking about sports as a way to, to, to bring God glory for, for me in my younger days, my thought was, well, I just need to use it to tell people about Jesus. Um, That's often how my mind turned. Yeah. So I think that that's, that's present. I would say that, that, that isn't maybe the, it's maybe not as dominant as some other ideas about how we integrate faith with our sports There's certainly people doing work in ministries doing good work that get beyond the instrumentalist view but i do think that you 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 see that most often because of the just because of the fact that that mode of thinking by nature seeks out a public platform right that mode of using sport for public purposes is going to get your attention because it's it's you know publicized the quiet work that sports ministries do like Athletes in Action, like the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, the quiet work of discipling athletes, of helping them think through what it means to be a Christian and an athlete, that's not really being projected out there. That's not being um, taught and people aren't hearing about it as much. So I, I think we might get a sense that we're all instrumentalists and, and you know, we, we, we tend to use sports in that way. And I, I don't wanna discount that. That's absolutely present. Um, but I do think there's there's other Christians who are approaching it in sort of a different different view.
0: Where, where do, I'm going to just, I'm just going straight for the juggler here, man. Do, do what you want or you can. Where do sports fit in the created order, in the good crea- created order? Or do they belong
1: on the side of the fall? That's a great quote. You know what, in my sports and theology class, which, you know, that, that certificate class you mentioned earlier, this is actually one of the questions that that we ask students. So we we read about uh, creation and the theology of creation, and then we try to think: how, how, where do we play sports in this? So I, I <laughs> want to my. I, I think this is a question that's fun to wrestle with and think about. And I wouldn't say you know I, I would want to say you have to follow my line of thinking, but but for me, there's the, the way to think about it first is to start by kind of separating out sports from play. Right, I think so. I think play, absolutely, part of the created order. I don't think I don't think you can make a good theological argument against that. Right, we have passages in the Bible and Proverbs, and, and you know t- it talks about wisdom. Um, you know, playfully being involved in, in creation. Um, so wisdom personified. Right, there's there's passages about um, y- you know when 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 the new heavens and the new earth, there will be children playing in the streets. And, and, you know, this, this new creation element of play uh, part of the original creation, right? So, so play part of creation, but sports, although they're a form of play, competition is central to sports. So it's not just playing. It is, I am, I have someone who I am going against and, and we are, we are trying to see who's better. I, you know, I'm trying <laughs> to win a game. I'm trying to take my skills and my abilities and i'm trying to you know show that they are superior in whatever way i run faster i jump higher i throw a ball through a hoop more times than you throw a ball through a hoop right and and so the, the competition part of it we don't have a clear bible passage um, and in fact if you were to argue for the side of the fall for competition you can easily look at cain and abel and you can see how the jealousies and the you know the mm-hmm. sense of competition between them is is something that develops after the fall so i think you could make a case sports and competition you know in that that sense of of opposition and wanting to prove superiority you could make a case that 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 comes along after the fall and maybe it's a just part of our fallen world that we have to deal with now right and and i had some students i've taught this theology class in the past and that's an argument they made and if they make it well and they have good biblical you know passages they're citing then, then I, th- I think it's, it's a case you can make. I fall, though, with the view that, that even sports and, and competition, um, that, that was part of the possibilities of creation, right, that, that could be unfolded. Um, and so, yes, uh, sports weren't, weren't part of, of, you know, the Garden of Eden, they weren't, they, Adam and Eve, as far as we know, they're not playing some early form of basketball they would be playing baseball by the way baseball, I, was, I was gonna say basketball is God's game but you like baseball that's right. I was say it's God's sport is baseball for sure <laughs> so so right it's they're, they're not playing sports <coughs> and yet we also know that built into creation um, you know Genesis 128 right the Dominion mandate that human beings we, we have this awesome task and, and responsibility to steward creation and to unfold its possibilities and so that means the play in our games, and our forms of culture can be used to realize these potentials that God put in place. That yes, they weren't part of the Garden of Eden, but they also wouldn't exist without these abilities that God gave us and and this task that God gave us too. And so if we think about sport and competition as a form of of human culture, these games we play that are meant to to advance certain cultural values, meant to teach certain traits, meant to have just joy togetherness if we think about sports that way then i think we can see it as part of the created order and and we can also say even even that idea of going against each other and competition we could even see that as something that is part of part of creation it's it's that way that human beings bring out the best in each other right if you think of competition as not going against someone but with striving together with I'm going to give you my best so that you can give your best. And together, um, as we do that, we will actually help each other to be the best versions of ourselves. That's not, that's the ideal, right? That's, that would be the created order ideal. Um, But I like to start there with sports and competition. Start with it being part of God's good creation. Mm. And then we can get into the, the distortions. We can get into the way that competition absolutely has been turned into an idol. Instead of bringing out the best in each other, we vilify each other. We tear down. No doubt, we need to talk about the fall, but I think if we situate it with creation, we can we can see the the, the original goodness of it as God designed it, and the potential for what it will be like, right, in, in the new heavens and new earth, and how we might be able to still enjoy um, uh, games and competition at, at that point.
0: Brother, Amen. That was really well said. Yeah, every every square inch of the baseball diamond like the Lord is sovereign over it for sure. And it's his. So now don't judge my lack of Roman numerals, not knowing what they are. LII. Anyways, in an article called Super Bowl LII, God will be watching. Um, Richard Mao said, quote, when a quarterback throws a long pass and a player down the field makes a spectacular catch, I imagine the Lord saying to himself, nicely done this is one of the reasons why I created the human race End quote, it's kind of like basically what you were saying, would you agree with that statement? Would you add anything to it? Or would you clarify or nuance
1: it further? You know, it depends on the context. I think, I, I think absolutely. I think using our bodies <laughs> that God gave us and, and, and using those in, in, in a way that um, exerts right and shows our, our, our physical abilities and talents um, in a number of ways. Um, I think that pleases God, whether, whether fans are watching or not. Mm. So I think that's right. Um, I would say it depends on the context because that message is one that some people need to hear. I, you know, there's some academics I know who that's the message I want them to hear. I want them to hear that sports, uh, are, are meaningful, that there's value in sports, that God loves the athletes who play, that God even find, you know, there's joy in that, 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 that is, and we, can, we can express worship to God and thanks to God through a sports we play. But there's also a, a strong contingent of, of Christians who maybe get too close to idolatry of sports. And for those Christians, you might want to also point out, um, you, you know, so, some of the ways that, even if, even if sports are a good thing that, that could bring God joy, in our particular cultural context, is the, you know, millions of dollars that are paid, the attention given, the abuses that are allowed, um, whether it's, uh, you know, is there, are there forms of, of racism, the, the, what, what's happening with head trauma, right? That we need to think yeah. about. Um, so when you bring in some of those culturally specific questions about what does professional football in 2020 look like in the United States of America well, in that case, maybe you have some other things that you bring into the picture. But in terms of just a general, yeah, two two athletes using their bodies that God gave them in really, you know, impressive ways, powerful ways. I think that's uh, I totally agree with, with Richard Mao.
0: Yeah, I think it was C.S. Lewis who said every vice is a virtue gone wrong. And you could kind of apply that there. So here, I'm going to put you on blast, brother, again. But so far, you're. You're uh you're hitting home runs. If God is glorified by a good catch, then is He disappointed in a botched field goal?
1: I was no. proud of that yeah. question. I came that's, up. That's great. No. Um. Yeah, that's this is a this is this is one of these questions that, in sports ministry circles, right, Christians who their job, their life's work is to be involved in sports. <laughs> um you know that we wrestle with and and no god's disappointment in a botched field no i don't i i would say no but sometimes there's there's an there's an implicit idea that at least god might be a little more pleased if the christian kicks the game winning field right like it might you wouldn't say well god's disappointed you missed that yeah. but you might say well but it really would have got brought got a little bit more glory <laughs> if, if you if the christian would have scored the touchdown and it's hard not to think in those terms. In, in, in and in my younger days, I sort of liked to, to make fun of that a lot more, right? Sort of, oh, you know, like God really, there's, there's 10 Christians on each team. And, you know, so one Christian wins, that means they were praying harder on that day mm-hmm. or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, think, I think if we first stop and say, well, what longing, what yearning, does this idea that, that me winning a basketball game says something about God's love for me, or God's favor mm. on me? What longing or yearning um, is being expressed in that belief?
0: Mm. And what does
1: that tell us about our theology, about the culture we live in? Mm. And I think what it tells us is that American sports culture is very much results oriented. It's very much about, um, at the end of the day, the proof of success is what the scoreboard says. And, and we, we say that's not true. You know, we say, no, 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 it's, it's about process, it's about character, it's about who you are. But at the end of the day, we always turn to the most successful people to prove those, to prove those ideas. You know, a good example of this is, is John Wooden. John Wooden is a, is a Christian basketball coach. He's, you know, one of the most successful coaches of all time, you know, and won a record number of, of titles with, with UCLA. And he, he's also really well known because he preached this gospel of true success. And his idea was that true success is not about results, but it's about trying the best you can to become the best version of yourself. And if you, you know, you just, eat, that, that, that's really what you need to do. It's peace of mind knowing you gave your best. And that sounds like a really good version of success. But the reason it's so powerful is because it's put in the mouth of someone who won 10 national titles, Right. right? And so we, we put Wooden and his advice on a pedestal because he won national titles. And because we think that if we follow that process, maybe we'll also, you know, maybe not win the titles, but we'll at least get as much success as we can in terms of the on-field results. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's this really subtle way, I actually call it a, a side door prosperity gospel, that even people who wouldn't be like full-fledged, you know, health and wealth uh, type of Christians even people who guard against that, when it comes to sports, they have a really difficult time figuring out um, what it would be like to live as a faithful Christian in a way that might not actually make you better as an athlete. Hmm. Is there there a way that that, that because I'm a Christian and I follow Christ, is there a way that 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 might not actually translate on the field? That's That's a really controversial kind of thing to Mm -hmm. say in in sports ministry circles. And I think it's because there's that implicit idea that God favors just a little bit more the on-field success. Mm -hmm. And so, so, you know, your question on the one hand is sort of like, well, that's silly, but actually it gets at some deep things, you know, uh, that we think about when it comes to success and who God is and his love for us.
0: So kind of in that same line of like God being pleased and then potentially a little more pleased... So you know, if if we agree with you, which I do, that that God is glorified by you know a great catch or whatever. Um, <clears throat> but if they okay, so this Sunday is going to be the Super Bowl, and they could, for example, watch the game. You you brother, you could watch the game, or you could go street witnessing, or go pray for your neighbor, or do some Christian activity, right? isn't that stuff the real uncon- like unconcentrated high octane christianity like at the end of the day okay he's glorified by a catch but isn't he really actually more concerned with saving souls and like persecuted christians and whatnot i think i was reading on uh, one of your articles where in the 20s or no recently but someone was saying like there's persecute like you know like look at Rwanda look at the genocide Bosnia like how can we even be
1: thinking about this stuff what what's your response to that first I would say there's something to that I I think putting sports in perspective is one of the best ways we can love it well right like our rightly ordered loves that's essential so that means we love God first and you know imperfectly because and in our seeking to do that right we (laughs) we're gonna, we're gonna not, not end up doing that fully, but that's what we seek, right? To love God first. And, and when that's in place um, that hopefully allows us to get our other loves in order as well, which means people, right? People would come first um, before even, even sports and sports would be even a way to love people after that. Mm-hmm. So when we, if, we, if we have a good perspective, I think we would be able to say, you know what? Um, yeah, that, I, I, should, I should stop and think about that and wonder um, towards what end is my life oriented am I, am I considerate of people around me like no one has to do everything but at the same time there are ways in which we live our lives that might numb us to injustices around the world and so that's actually a question worth pondering but um, at the same time there's a there's a history of that question being used by Christians to make participation in sports be seen as sort of a a, a I guess you called a junior varsity Christian activity, all right? So, you know, back in the in the early 1900s, especially 1910s, 1920s, 1930s, there were uh, you know conservative evangelicals who, although they played sports, the real hero of the faith it wasn't the athlete; it was the ex athlete. So it was the person who maybe played sports in high school. And then maybe in college, even as long as they didn't play on Sunday, because Sabbath breaking was still a big, you know, a big no-no for, for American Christians. then. Mm-hmm. But um, after they got done playing sports, which was kind of the thing for kids, then when you're an adult, that's when you go off and you're a missionary, you're overseas, you give your, you, you know, you, you consecrate your life to Christ in service. And how do you serve? You have to be in full-time Christian mm-hmm. ministry, full-time Christian ministry. That was the key. That was sort of the varsity Christian. It was the person... Who would, who would go off and, you know, give their all, sacrifice their all for Christ. And that, that was compelling to, to a lot of conservative uh, Christians who were part of the missions movement and, and who would go off and, and participate in that work. And, and you know, that, that, that view of the ideal Christian really held strong into the 1950s. A good example of this um, is, is Don Muma, a name that people won't know today, but he was a UCLA football player all-American, and in uh, the early 1950s, he gets drafted into the NFL. Well, he has a choice to make. He, you know, at the, at the time, the NFL, and still today, of course, they, they play games on Sundays. And at the time, Sunday is a day for rest and worship for Christians like Don Mumma. He didn't feel right about playing football on Sunday. And so instead, he, he didn't go into the NFL, and he became a pastor of a church, got into full-time Christian ministry, and, and sort of you know, used his college athletic career to then become a launch pad into this you know, view of the ideal Christian. So, so that, that perspective held strong into the 1950s. What changed though, I think, is that there were other Christians who just wrestled with, what does it mean for me if, if you know, whether you're a coach what does it mean for me if I'm a janitor? What does it mean for me if I'm a high school teacher? What does it mean for me if I'm an athlete? Does that mean I'm not actually loving God, serving God? And there is a sense that there's sort of a guilt associated with that. Oh yeah. And um, you know, a good example of this actually that I, I bring up in my classes is Dean Smith, this basketball coach for North Carolina. He early in his in his life, when he was in in junior high, he promised God. He said, God, if you let me make this baseball team. I'll be a missionary. I don't know if even, even, you know, in my younger days growing up in conservative evangelical circles, I remember some of these negotiations, you know, if you <laughs> give me this God, I'll give you this piece of my life, you know. And so Dean Smith, Dean Smith did that. He said, I'll be a missionary if you let me make this baseball team. Um, and Dean made the baseball team and, 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 and he, but, but he felt a sense of guilt because what he really wanted to do is he wanted to coach and he felt there was a Christian ministry. He could minister through his coaching but he also was like, but coaching isn't a full-time missionary. And I told God, I promised God I would be a full-time missionary. And he wrestled with this tension. And it's not until um, you know, he, he becomes a coach at North Carolina and he starts reading some theology that he actually starts to, to realize that his job as a coach is a sacred calling. Amen. He actually, he writes this article in the 1960s called Coaching as a Sacred Calling. Wow. And he just writes about the way that he came to see that just by faithfully being a coach, he can still do God's work in the world. He can still love people well. He can still evangelize in the, in the networks and people in which, uh, you know, the lives in which God has placed him. He can do that work. And so um, Dean Smith represented sort of a shift in the way that sports ministries operated mm. where they started to, to really try to equip and and value athletes and coaches mm. um, within their athletic worlds as being ministers of the gospel and you know we talked about that faith and work movement early on and and, and just the, the idea of bringing your faith into the workplace which why we should be everywhere we go it yeah. shouldn't be about compartmentalized faith mm-hmm. it should be everywhere mm-hmm. well you know athletes in the sports world is one of the places where they were really starting to do this early on and to try to get away from that compartmentalized life that creates varsity Christians and JV Christians.
0: Man, what is it about sports that humans love so much? And not just like a little, but a lot. Like we're talking grown men painting their faces, standing shirtless in the snow, buying like $20 beers and just having the time of their lives. And
1: they're not even playing. They're just watching other guys play. Do you, have you wrestled with that? That's a tough one for me. I th- I think about that and don't have a don't have a, a you know a really clear answer. It, you know, it's it's I'm always as a historian. I always think about context, 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 right? I always want to say I, I I'm, I'm wary of universal claims, mm. and yet the fact is that you know sports at a universal level in different ways, it's different sports for different you know, national communities and different groups of people. But sports has this powerful hold um, on, on, in different ways on so many different groups of people and in games that we play do as well. And so I think the first part of that answer is to say there is something about play and something about um, sports as a form of play in community. Mm. That actually is, is 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 gets at these transcendent longings that God has given us. Hmm. So That's in that good. sense, it's it's it gets at our our design, right? Of who who God created us to be? It's this this chance to both um, maybe it's maybe it's the connection with other people that you have. If you're a fan, um, it, it might be the the shared interest in, in rooting on for, uh, cheering for a team, the drama of a of a game, getting to to you know follow that if you're a player or a coach, the camaraderie that you have with yeah. your teammates uh, resonates at a deep level. It can even, you could even have that with your opponents. I think Christians should have this, this sense of, 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 of close feeling with the person that you're going against who you you're going to give it your all. But at the end of the day, you see them as bringing out the best in you. And, in all of those ways it's, it, it does um, highlight who were created or who we're created to be, I think. You know, the, the cultural expressions of that, though, sometimes resonate with us for other reasons that might actually get us some of the darker sides of who we are, right? That might connect with our sinful desires. So there could be prestige and money and power and influence, and we're drawn into sports wow. because we see, you know, we want to live vicariously uh, through someone. We want, you know, we, we want to forget sort of Real life and escape into a fantasy world of sports, and I think in, in in some of those longings can express more sinful aspects of human human desire and human nature, and and um, in the United States with the corruption that we can see in, in big time sports settings, especially because of the money, because of the power, there can be a tendency to to you know be you think that you're, you're just enjoying the good in sports, this, you know, this is who God created me to be. But really, what you're doing is you're, you're enjoying the the cultural prestige, the access, the influence. Mm-hmm. And I even know, like, I, I'm not someone who's super well connected with, you know, famous athletes or coaches, there's a couple who I'm kind of connected with. And I notice this in myself, like, I, I love to name drop, you know, like, yeah. oh, yeah, I talked to so right, like, there's, it's like, So, so, you like you realize as you're doing it, that this is just ridiculous. I do that too.
0: I hate that. Yes. Yes.
1: Why do we do that? And I know
0: I'm going to do it too. I know it. (laughs)
1: Like even during the interview, I'm like trying to think like, what can I say? You know? (laughs) Yes. And that's what, because sports are so important in our culture, um, you know, some people are drawn to that just because they want to be around power. They want to be around success. And you know, that, that article you referenced earlier in the gospel coalition, I wrote that sort of wrestling with that tension in myself because mm-hmm. I had developed this theology of sports that saw sports as as an expression of our created longings and that recognized sports as a created good. Yeah. But I had I had you know moved so far towards this let's celebrate sports as celebrate its goodness that sometimes I didn't realize and didn't check myself to see you know, really what I'm, I'm actually worshiping something else. I'm actually, there's something else about sports that I'm drawn to. That's not God. Um, it represents uh, some other idol that I I need to be on guard against. And so that tension, I think we always want to just, just be aware of it. Um, it's going to be there, not just with sports. It will be there with other things, but sports just happens to be this super powerful, super captivating thing in our culture. And so a lot of people I think can, can get off guard because of that.
0: That's help. That's helpful, man. All right. I'm we're, Winding down, I'm going to hit you with three quick questions, all right, brother? Question cool. one, if the Bucks win, is it because Tom Brady can do all things through Christ who strengthens him?
1: <laughs> Love that, that Bible passage. You know, I'm going to plug the, uh, the Faith and Sports Institute uh, courses again. We have a class called The Bible in Sports. It's, it's taught by a New Testament scholar. His name is Brian Gamble, and he actually takes a week of the class, and they look at that passage, because it's, it's super popular in sports settings. And he looks at that passage, and they, they just really like get into the heart of like, what does this actually mean? Awesome. And, and what might it mean for athletes, because the Bible is useful and profitable, right? So it's not like we can't, we can't use that, um, or, or think about what it might mean for an athlete. Um, but the, the, to the short answer to your question is no. Um, if Tom Brady loses, it's not because of that. It's because he's I- 33 years old. <laughs> and uh, uh, you know his his luck it, has run
0: out. And the other guys were in kindergarten when he was playing. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right, next quick question: What's the future of baseball? Is it going the way of the Buffalo? They're going to have to like ship in like Hooters girls to be umpires. Like, what are they going to do to help keep people in there?
1: It makes me sad. I <laughs> sad. I know. And you're 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 you know you identified yourself already as you're a baseball fan, and I I am too. I'm I'm a baseball fan. I watch basketball and football more, but what I love about baseball, I love going in person to the game. I love the atmosphere when you're in the stands and the sounds and the sights and the smells. So, so is it going the way of the buffalo? I there it, there are sports that we've seen decline. I mean, back in the day, the most popular sport was boxing. This was the thing that everyone cared about, everyone followed, everyone watched. Another one, I mean, they, they you know the the racing you or. or um, like sprinters and, 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 and runners used to be celebrities, even to an extent they aren't now. Um, and fans would, would flock to these games. Horse racing used to be huge. So it is true that we've had shifting, you know, allegiances to sports. But while well, I can see baseball declining in terms of its cultural importance and attention that's given to it, I definitely think that happens. Hmm. I also think that sometimes we overstate everything you know, in this sort of capitalist society, it's like either you're growing or you're dead. And it's like, no, most things just, they exist and they're not necessarily like expanding rapidly, but it doesn't mean they're not important. It doesn't mean millions of people don't find meaning and value. It might mean that we don't value them as much. And, you know, instead of making a couple hundred million dollars, salaries go down, you know, to the tens of millions and and valuations, you know, it's not a couple billion dollars, but franchises are worth a little less, but it's like, can we talk about decline without making it, you know, sort of destruction? Can we, can we find a, a place of sustainability where we can say, baseball won't have its power that it used to have, but it will, ex- it will continue on. Like it's going to be resilient. And, and I, think that's, I think that's ultimately what we'll see is, yes, continued decline. I especially, I'm worried about what they're doing with minor league baseball um, as a, as a small town guy you know, I know how important, you know, investment in small communities and, and spreading the game is in as many places as you can, that matters for the long-term future. So I worry about some of those strategic decisions, but I also think baseball will be resilient, that um, it will continue on and uh, might not be as popular, but, you know, for you, for me, we'll still have games that we can watch.
0: You're giving me hope there. It's to the level where, like, if I'm walking around and I see someone like with an angel's hat. I'm like, whoa, you like the angels? And uh, as you know, they're always like, nah, I like the hat. But anyways, all right, final question for you, brother. And this has been really good. Um, What's the most Christian thing I can do this Sunday as I'm eating slow cooked pineapple infused Little Smokies drizzled with nacho cheese and watching the football game with my family?
1: (laughs) The most Christian thing, man. So if you could, okay, while you're eating that, you're going to have to, uh, let's see, you, you need to be saying a silent prayer um, <laughs> while, while mailing. Texting you. every widow oh, I know. Yes, while texting, Jesus loves you to mass, mass text to all your <laughs> non-saved friends. Um, and, you know, I'll have to think of something else for you to do. But uh, no, that's, you know, enjoying good food and the company of people you love uh, getting to to you know watch a game after of course you've you've spent time maybe in person or at least via zoom you know with the, the people of god your local uh, group of fellow believers you've you've set aside um, hopefully you've you've had some sort of you know have a sabbath rest built into your your week at some point um, maybe the watching the game is you know, a form for you to rest and relax and so maybe that that might be that that, that that moment right there can be a testament to God's grace and God's goodness. Um, or you could just mess it up, too. And you, you'll probably find a way to mess that up. But, but God's grace will be there even in that.
0: Oh, you're super, super level-headed, helpful, and compelling. We've been talking with Dr. Paul Putz. Um, you can follow him on Twitter at P is in Paul underscore Emery, E-M-O-R-Y. Um, you can follow the Faith and Sports Institute on um, at Twitter with which is at faith sports i n s t like institute faith sport inst we'll tag these um, where you can learn more about the sports ministry program that you, that you guys are offering which like as you mentioned them those weren't like raw plugs man those were good I, I feel like there's a real need for those and I saw the prices and it was a pretty good deal actually uh, super super stoked for when that book comes out we're gonna link a lot of these articles that you mentioned and just as we close out can. I don't know if you know it offhand, but can you hit me with that Jay Gresham
1: Machen quote on football? I think I read on one. So- <laughs> oh man, he has such a great, yes. Okay, I'm not going to be able to hit you with the exact quote, but the context is he's, uh, I believe this is the one you're thinking of. He, there is a wedding that happened on a Saturday. Um, someone close to him was getting married on a Saturday. And uh, he wrote. he basically wrote a letter complaining like why would you get married on the day that there's a football game? <laughs> um, and it sort of went on about the glories of of football. Now that you mentioned, I'm going to go back and look at my old tweets because I remember I tweeted this out. Uh, yeah, just to, just you know, you don't think of Jay Gresham Machen as a football fan, and he didn't he didn't necessarily write about it a lot in public. Um, but yeah, in his uh, sort of private letters, he apparently just loved the sport. Um, uh, and 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 when he was in Europe too, um, had this like real sense of longing football when when autumn came around. You just made him think of football and wanting to you know watch a game and this is in the 1920s you know before television was even around but by then it had already captured people uh like nature brother thank you so much for your time appreciate it hey i really
0: enjoyed being on here and let's do it again for sure we came for salvation we came for family. We came for all that's good, that's how we'll walk away. We came to break the bad. We came to cheer the sad. We came to...